0: I'm currently facilitating a book club on a short work by Dietrich Bonhoeffer entitled Life Together. It's an exploration into how to foster authentic Christian community, a classic that I've read once before but lately have felt the urge to read again, and so far, so very, very good. In fact, I had forgotten the beautiful way that Bonhoeffer begins this book. What a breath of fresh air to discover again that when he begins to talk about Christian community, he begins with gratitude. One of his very first sentences says this It is not simply to be taken for granted that the Christian has the privilege of living among other Christians. What a great way to launch an exploration into Christian community, to remind us not to take this gift for granted that it is a privilege to do life together as followers of Jesus. A little bit later, his heart really shows out on this point, and he says this. He says, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians, praise God from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace Nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. I just think this is so refreshing. I want you to notice that Bonhoeffer says, quote, until now one has this privilege. And then a little bit later that that we are, quote, allowed (laughs) to live in community. I mean, these these two little phrases might sound odd to us in America, you know, living in the Bible Belt with a, a church on every corner, But back in Germany on the eve of World War II, Bonhoeffer knew that this gift was never a given. And indeed, it was a gift that was stolen from him when he was arrested two years before he was martyred. We must not take the gift of Christian community lightly. And so, friends, let us thank God on our knees and from the bottom of our hearts for the gift we share that is All Saints Anglican Church. For the bonds that tie us together, that the care that is so often shared with one another, this tradition that we have inherited, that among us, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to each one of us. This is no small thing. And so as our first annual parish summit comes to a close today, and as today's sermon speaks to the state of our church, as it always does this time of year, it'll be a little bit different of a sermon, before we do anything else, let us give thanks to God for the gift of this parish. Blessed are those who share life together here at All Saints Anglican Church. I believe that this is one of the points Jesus is trying to make with his famous Beatitudes, which we heard read just a moment ago. Too often people read the Beatitudes as if Jesus is offering his followers commands, right? To do this, instructions to do something. But no, these Beatitudes are in the indicative, they are statements of fact. The poor in spirit are, in fact, blessed. Those who mourn, Jesus says, You're blessed. Blessed are the meek, the pure in heart, the persecuted. These are are typically not those considered blessed by our world. But they are the ones with whom God has chosen to dwell. It's actually an echo of Isaiah 57. A verse that says this, says, Thus says the high and lofty one, one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places and also with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. You see, as Bonhoeffer begins his life together, that book, with gratitude, so Jesus implicitly calls his followers to take heart and be grateful as he begins his Sermon on the Mount. You might not feel this way sometimes, Jesus is saying, but you are blessed Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. See, the Beatitudes are, are calls to gratitude. And so, yes, blessed are you who share life together here at All Saints Anglican Church, for yours, too, is the kingdom of heaven. Did you realize that next month, All Saints celebrates 19 years? 19 years ago... A group of approximately 40 people had been gathering weekly for prayer over the span of about three months, not sure what the future had in store for them. But during that time, it became clear that the Holy Spirit was was calling them to form a church, a church for, quote, all the saints. Step by step, things began to fall into place. A connection was made with Bishop Gideon Githiga across the Atlantic from the province of Kenya. And this small group of Anglicans, which had now doubled in size, decided to ask him for temporary emergency oversight, that he would be their bishop. To which Bishop Gethiga heartily replied, Yes, I will be your shepherd. And so a few months later, Bishop Gethiga gets on a plane and comes to All Saints in June of 2004. He consecrated this newly purchased building and installed Father Chuck Filiatro as our first rector. Pretty exciting things, and really much has happened since then. Many works of the Spirit worth recounting and celebrating, but for the sake of time, I'd like to zero in on one important aspect of our history that I believe is relevant for our present moment. It occurred as all saints started to experience an influx of new people, especially people who did not have an Anglican background, which meant that the prospect of change was pressing in. And so naturally, folks were a bit anxious. What kind of changes will be on the horizon? And how will these changes feel? Will they be unpleasant? Will we start to lose our sense of shared identity? I mean, they're all legitimate questions. Because change can be scary, especially when the something that is changing is something that you love. I just believe this was really a critical juncture for us as a church. And I praise God that our vestry at that time, before we decided to make any changes, whether it's changes to our Sunday services, the number of services we had, decisions about this property, about church planting, about staffing or programming, before we we made any of these types of major changes, our vestry decided to engage the parish at large. And they did so in order to discern together with lots of prayer, lots of discussion, they wanted to discern those aspects of our common life that must not change even in the midst of change. Did you catch that? What is it about our life together that must not change even as we will surely experience change? And it was through this process that together we developed what we now call our mission and personality, key aspects of our life together that must not change as things inevitably change. This mission and personality would become our canon, so to speak, our plumb line for making decisions. In fact, even today, the vestry makes it a habit to ask this crucial question when faced with any major decision. We ask, how will this affect our mission and personality? It's still that important to us. And so I thought it would be good to do a little review for a moment about what our mission and personality is all about so that we might remind ourselves. And so I want you to recall that our mission here at All Saints is really the mission of every local church, isn't it? to nurture a community of Jesus followers who share in the life of God for the life of the world. And I realize that different local churches will have different ways of articulating this shared mission, right? You go to different websites, you see different things. Yeah, uh, things like making disciples who make a difference. Or manifesting the kingdom of God together. Or proclaiming the good news of Jesus in both word and deed and so forth. There's a lots of different ways of articulating it. But basically... The capital C church shares the same mission wherever you are in the world. And yet, each local church pursues this mission in their own unique way or with their own personality as we like to say. And so what are those unique characteristics of our church? Aspects of our, this is the question we were asking, aspects of our life together that are not aspirational, they're true and important for us to hold on to. Aspects that we don't want to lose during any season of change. Well, many of you remember that together we identified these following five personality traits. First, we are a church of healing hospitality. We seek to provide a safe haven for those who are hurt or wounded, especially with church wounds in their background. And so here you are welcome to sit and to pray and and just simply to allow the Spirit to work on your heart at His own pace. And since healing takes time, you just don't snap your fingers and you're healed up. Now you are invited just to get involved in the life of of our church, uh, of this church, at your own speed. And hopefully you're never pressured or guilted into doing anything because we want this to be a safe healing space. Second, we prioritize church as family, especially uh, across generational lines. We love that we are a multi-generational family from little kids all the way up to empty nesters and even those who are homebound, and we want to form those close relationships across generational lines, and so we do our best to integrate different ages as much as possible, Encouraging children and youth and college to participate in our activities and programs and services, not, not kind of singling them out to the side. So singles, married, widow, divorced, young and old, we reach out our hands to each other as family. We try, try to foster that. Third, we are a church that pursues spiritual formation in the Anglican way. Just like God accepts people as they are, so do we. We welcome people as they are, but guess what? The church is a community meant to see transformation take place in people's lives. It is a place. The church is a place where God wants to do something with you. He wants to form you into the likeness of his son. And we have inherited a proven and beautiful way of being formed into Christ's likeness. And that way is the Anglican tradition. Which is why we focus on our book of common prayer and and other spiritual practices of of meditation, doing catechesis. we, We value liturgy, the sacraments, and the church calendar. These ancient practices are gifts that we don't want to throw away. No, we want to continue to utilize in our own spiritual growth. And then fourth, we are a church with a heart for service. I mean, we believe that serving one another and serving our world is integral to our faith. Indeed, we'll say this. We believe that the church is the hope of the world, that the church exists for the life of the world. And so, yes, of course, our faith with God needs to be contemplative. It needs to be inward, but it also must be active and outward, out there in the world and for our neighbor. And then fifth, we are a church that is financially generous and responsible. We believe that How we hold and steward our monetary resources is not a small part of our faith. It is a massive part of our faith. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, says Jesus. How you spend your money is where your heart is. So as a church, we aim to be financially responsible, right? We we only set our annual budget based on what people pledge every year. We don't go higher than that. We try to be wise and careful about taking on financial debt. We try to be responsible. And then we seek to be financially generous. As 10% of our annual budget goes to support the international work of our bishop. And then an additional 12% on top of that goes to various outreach efforts in West Tennessee and around the world. I mean, think about it. In total, that's almost a quarter of our budget. We want to be financially generous. And so there you have it. Healing hospitality. The church's family, spiritual formation in the Anglican way, a heart for service, and being financially responsible and generous. That's our personality, the unique way in which we live out our mission. Now, I remember what a relief it was once we as a church had identified these personality traits. I mean, it just, it just rang true with everyone that was involved. It was as if everyone could now just take a deep breath and start moving forward together in unity. I, I just really think it was a, a, a remarkable exercise for us and a pivotal moment in the life of our church. So that as we began to make decisions that would inevitably entail change, as long as we were protecting our mission and personality, we could accept those changes. Indeed, we could celebrate those changes as signs that God is at work among us. And then a few years later, this way of making decisions led to the creation of what we call our Mission Abbey vision, which was simply an answer to the question what might it look like to develop this piece of property according to our mission and personality? And slowly but surely, what came to light was this idea of Mission Abbey a place where, yes, we gather through common practices to share in God's life together. That's the Abbey side of it. But it's also a place where we, it would be a launching pad of ministry for the life of the world. That's the, the mission part, a mission Abbey, both something that we're already doing and something that we will only continue to grow and expand upon in the years to come. So speaking of years to come. When we look out over the horizon of the next year or the next two years or five years, we discover that once again, we are on the cusp as a church. We are on the cusp of dramatic change. Another season of transition is upon us. Lots of changes are around the corner. We've been talking about this all weekend for our parish summit. New staff on their way, new clergy a new nave is being built. A new church plant is being planted. A new diocese is around the corner. And that means a new bishop is well. And whatever else is on God's heart, change is a-coming. And as Bishop Alan Hawkins shared with us Friday evening at our parish banquet, such a season of transition will inevitably create a sense of loss. Because it's not like it used to be. It might even create some degree of fear. And so naturally, folks will be a bit anxious. What sort of changes are are on the horizon? How how unpleasant are these changes going to feel? And will we start to lose our sense of shared identity? All legitimate questions, because change can be scary, especially when the something that is changing is something that you love. But here's the good news. We've been here before. We are not strangers to change. We know how to navigate seasons of transition. Through prayer and discernment and collaboration, we keep our mission and personality on the dashboard, continuing to nurture a community that shares in the life of God for the life of the world, and continuing to stay alive to our unique personality in each and every decision we make. And as we do these things, then we will be poised to embrace with joy the changes that are surely coming our way. We will be ready to move forward with faith along the journey God leads us on through whatever season of transition comes our way. And so, all saints, take heart and be grateful For blessed are those who share life together here at All Saints Anglican Church. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for these 19 years in which you have been forming a distinct community, a community centered on your son Jesus, filled with your spirit, uh, existing to nurture a place where you may dwell on earth for the life of the world. And Heavenly Father, as we come upon uh, some uh, inevitable changes in the story of all saints, we pray that we will hold things loosely, that we will move forward with faith, with creativity, uh, with open hands, with collaboration, and that as we move forward, we would listen for your spirit and discern, always keeping the mission out front and always staying alive to those aspects of who we are that you've called us to be. So we make it our prayer, Heavenly Father, do more than we can ask or imagine here at All Saints Anglican Church. Open our eyes to see what you might have in store for us. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.